You're tuned into More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And we've certainly got a lot going on. Um, you know, coming into 2022, we, we've anticipated a year of increased volatility in the stock market, and the Russian invasion into Ukraine has just exacerbated that expected volatility. You know, we've had a... This invasion has happened, if we look at where we are now, you know, we've had a three-year run-up in market value in stock, stock valuations near, really, the stock valuations coming into this year were the highest they've been at any other time in our entire history except for the end of 1999 going into the 2020, or excuse me, the 2000 tech bubble. And we're in the midst of a backdrop of inflation and the Federal Reserve expecting to increase interest rates to try and curb inflation. So we expect, we expected coming into the year a lot of volatility and now we're looking at even bigger uncertainties. You know, if there are two things that are absolutely certain about the stock market, uh, one is that it's unpredictable and two, is it is very volatile potentially. And when we talk about unpredictability, a perfect example of that is this past week. Believe it or not, for the week we just ended, the US stock market, if we look at the S&P 500 stock index, which is an index of 500 of the largest stocks in the US, that index was in the green for the week. <clears throat> and if you look what happened Wednesday night, you know, Russia went into Ukraine, and certainly we want to be thinking and praying for those people in, in Ukraine. Uh, but Russia went into Ukraine, the market opened up Thursday morning down, I think it was about 700 points on the Dow. So a good way to look at that is about 2%. The Dow was down about 2% at opening bell. And by the end of the day, it was in the green. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones were in the green. And then yesterday, the market went up over 2%. And, you know, to put that in perspective, you know, anything over a 1% movement in a day would be considered a choppy day. Anything under 2% would be, would be considered extremely choppy, extremely volatile. Now, we, we, we don't mind volatility when it's upside volatility, right? We just don't love the downside volatility. But the bottom line, when we have those kind of stock market movements in, in one day, uh, you know, that, <coughs> that um, indicates a good bit of instability and uncertainty in the marketplace. So today, in this first segment, I'm going to dive into 
you know, what is this likely to mean for you and me in the Ukraine-Russia conflict? What's likely coming down the pike? What does that mean for your money? What does that mean for your retirement planning? Uh, and then as we get into the, a little bit later into the show, we're going to talk about retirement myths and how you need to be careful not to subscribe to retirement myths because they could be dangerous for your wealth. Now, when it comes to the current conflict and how it may affect your money, first off, in the short term, we should be very careful about trying to time market fluctuations due to geopolitical instability. You know, things often turn on a dime for the better or worse. Who would have thought Thursday morning at 10 o'clock when the market was down 2% that it would have ended up not only getting back into the green in one day, but then be up another 2% the next day. And, and we'll talk a little bit this morning about why that may be. Uh, but things can often unexpectedly turn. And furthermore, if we evaluate the historic impact of various wars on the stock market, the market has proven resilient in the long term. So this is where your financial plan needs to protect you against the short-term instability in the stock market. You know, we know that instability and volatility in the stock market comes. It is a fact of life. We never know the reason of the instability, and certainly we do not know the timing of the instability, uh, but, it, but we know those things happen. They shouldn't surprise us when they happen. We should, you should be measuring risk in your portfolio so that you have a pretty good understanding of what might happen to your portfolio when we do have volatility. Now, th th there are several keys uh, to how to deal with these kinds of times. And one, as I mentioned, is to measure the volatility, the risk in your portfolio. Believe it or not, measuring risk, when we look at past risk metrics, you know, how would your portfolio be expected to perform when the market is sharply down? How would your portfolio be expected to perform when the market booms and is sharply up? That's a pretty good predictor of future risk and reward. We don't necessarily know how things will perform for sure, and we don't know when things will go down or when they'll go up, but we can have a pretty good idea in a bear market bust, what can we expect a given portfolio to do? And in a boom, what can we expect a given portfolio to do? And there's a trade-off between risk and reward, right? I mean, nobody wants to lose money, but we want to make money. And if we don't want to lose as much in the bad market, you know, how do we go about doing that? But that might mean we're not going to make as much when the market booms. So it is, a, it is completely a trade-off there. So one thing I would urge you to do, if you haven't already, is measure the risk in your portfolio. What does that look like as compared to the overall market? Now then the second thing is, when will you need to likely withdraw money from your investments? This could be for a purchase in two or three years, or it could be for retirement. You need retirement income. Because you don't want to be dependent on the stock market for short-term income needs. You know, we don't know where this is going to go, but I would not be surprised. I mean, we went into correction territory, which is more than a 10% decline 
Uh, we, we did go into, protection, into uh, correction territory on Thursday. And now we're no longer in correction territory. We're not down more than 10% from previous highs. I, I think it'll, uh, you know, who knows where this will go. But when the markets are sharply down, let's say this turns into a 15, 20, 25% downturn. We don't know. I'm not saying it will. But if it does, you don't want to be cashing in your investments and spending that money while they're down because you'll compound your losses and then that money will never come back because you've spent it, whether it's for a purchase or for retirement income. So you need to have stable things that can produce income in the short term or provide for cash needs over the next four or five years. So measure the risk in your portfolio and, and evaluate risk versus reward. Number two, make sure that money you need in the next four to five years is stable or, or even protected. And then number three, look at your diversification. What does that look like? How much are you in the stock market? Um, are, are you 100% in stocks? You know, if you just have an S&P 500 fund, you're 100% in the stock market. Or if you have an S&P 500 fund and then you have maybe a foreign fund, maybe you have the EAFE index, Europe, Asia, excuse me, Europe, Australia, and the Far East. You know, how are you, if you're just in the stock market, you know, you don't have much in your portfolio to balance the risk of stocks in the short term. So you need other things. So when we think of the word diversification, what that's really supposed to mean is you have a balance of different types of investments that balance each other out. So for example, this past week when the stock market was going sharply down, bond yields were actually going down. And with, when bond yields were going down, that means bond prices were going up. Also commodities, most namely oil, was also going up. So that's a great example of you have things in your portfolio that when one thing zigs, another zags. We just have to be very, very careful about how we use bonds in that mix. Traditional bonds historically have offered diversification because when the stock market is volatile, people rush to the safety of bonds. And that did actually happen some this week. And that helps in the short term. The problem is in the long term, we're probably going to be doomed with bond and traditional bond investment because interest rates are low. If interest rates stay low, bonds aren't paying much over the long haul. And if interest rates go up, bonds will, go, will do even worse because interest rates and bonds move in an opposite direction. So that traditional 60, 40, 70, 30 mix of diversification, probably not a very good idea in this world. So you need other types of alternative investments that can balance out the stock market. So in other words, you've got a lot of things in your portfolio that one thing zigs. When one thing zigs, another thing zags. That way, if one thing's way down like stocks, hopefully they're not all the way down. Now, the longer you have until you'll need your investment money, the more aggressive you can be, the more time you have to ride out the inevitable ups and downs in the market. But the sooner you need your money, the less aggressive and risky you can become. So understanding time horizon and when you'll need the money is fundamentally important in wealth management. Now, I do believe that the U.S. economy could still show steady growth throughout 2022. Uh, the biggest risk to that growth, in my opinion, is persistent inflation. And I do think it's likely to continue deeper into the year due to what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. 
and that's been well documented in the media with oil prices. What does that do to gasoline? How does that funnel through to everything? I mean, anything you have, to, anything that has to be delivered anywhere is dependent on energy costs. And those are likely to go up even more than they already have. So I think persistent inflation is probably going to be a bigger issue this year. Uh, so, you know, we never know the future cause of instability. But, you know, we want to be careful because one of the keys in the long term is to be fully invested and have a good balance of safe money and at-risk investments and have a great diversification. Because that risk investment is the best way, at least has been historically, to beat inflation. But, but we've got to have a plan to protect us. You need a plan to protect you against short-term market instability. So we will continue to evaluate exactly what's going on in this world and talk about how to protect yourself from the short-term instability, but also protect yourself in the long-term against things like inflation, longevity, people are living longer and longer lives, healthcare catastrophe, all the different risks you face in retirement. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about retirement myths and how you can be careful you don't pray, you don't fall prey to those retirement myths. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. And welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We are with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch us online, broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. <coughs> Excuse me. All of our shows are podcast. Now, before uh, I, I want to talk about retirement myths. Before I get there, I do want to, before we leave this uh, Russia-Ukraine thing and the impact on your money, you know, I mentioned the uh, likelihood of more persistent inflation throughout 2021, or excuse me, <laughs> what year are we in? in throughout 2022. Um, and, and also to, to kind of give a little bit of insight into why the market may have rallied a little bit, well, a lot of it on Thursday and Friday, it, it's very unlikely at this point that I think the Federal Reserve will be as aggressive in increasing interest rates to curb inflation amidst this backdrop of war in, in Europe. So, you know, people were talking about as much as 2% or two percent or better uh, in the federal funds rate uh, of increases throughout this year, maybe even a, a full half-point increase in March. I think a half-point increase is all but off the table. I mean, you never know, but I think it's you know, likely to be at most a quarter of a point. I don't think the Fed will be nearly as aggressive uh, with increasing rates because of the concerns of recession. Um, the, 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 you know, you know the, the, the Fed is, is really between a rock and a hard place. And they're really kind of in a very difficult situation when it comes to managing growth and inflation. And they're going to have to be even more careful. And we're, we're probably going to have to tolerate higher inflation for a longer period of time. And, you know, usually reining in inflation requires the Fed 
to basically almost put the economy into recession. And I don't think the Fed, Fed policymakers are going to want to do that right now. They're not going to want to tighten policy sharply because of what that could do to the economy amidst all these challenges. Uh, and I think this is kind of a situation a lot of people were afraid of is that by being late, meaning the Federal Reserve being kind of late to start uh, reining in their easy money policy, I mean, they're still doing bond purchases. In other words, printing money and inject them into the economy and plan on doing that through the early summer months. So by being late to try to pull that stimulus back, there are fewer policy options to try to deal with some of these economic challenges. So I'll kind of go back to what I said earlier, and I've been saying since really the fall and coming into this new year, I see volatility and instability throughout the year. Don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean necessarily the market will be down by the end of the year. Will it be down? Will it be up? We don't know in the short term. But I see uncertainties and volatility, and, and you need a plan to beat inflation in the long term, but you need stability of income in the short term. Now, have you ever seen Mythbusters? You know, you may have been surprised by some of its finding. It, findings. It examines commonly held beliefs and rumors and applies the scientific method to see if they're actually true. You know, it turns out you can't actually down, drown in quicksand, and dropping a penny off of the Empire State Building won't necessarily kill someone if it hit them in the head. Life is full of these sorts of false conceptions, and it's also true about retirement. Many people have an idea in their head about what it will be like, what they will and will not have to worry about, and how they should pre prepare. But make sure you know the real facts from the myths. So in the rest of the show today, I'm going to bust some of those common retirement myths, plus talk a little bit about timely tax information. So uh, let, let's dive in about tax breaks for people age 50 and older, because it's important as you prepare for retirement to take advantage of these. Now, it, it, it doesn't. all these aren't necessarily things that happen when you're 50. Uh, some of them may be later in life, but let's examine some tips for as you age and as you get over 50. So one is once you turn 65, you, you, you're allowed to do an extra tax deduction uh, of 1350 a month, or excuse me, 1350 per person. So that's added to the standard deduction. So a married couple can do $2,700 on top of your standard deduction. You know, I think the last number I saw from IRS is that 90% of people now are not itemizing with the higher standard deduction, and when you're 65 or older, that standard deduction gets even higher. Now, but do keep in mind that that standard deduction is going to go back to the old rule that we had before it went up uh, back in, two back in uh, 2017. It goes back there in a little over four years, in, in the January 1 of 2026, so almost five years, uh, yeah, almost four years. Uh, it's going to go back to the lower number, and then we would expect more people to itemize, and we need to be planning for that. If the law doesn't change, that's going to happen. We need to be planning for that and thinking about how we handle charitable deductions, how we pay our property tax, how we itemize or not itemize. All those things are very, very important. But the standard deduction at 65 does go up, uh, and now at, at age 50, 
you can add more money to your retirement accounts. Uh, and this is extremely important. You know, in an IRA, you can add an extra $1,000 a year. Uh, for a 401k or other company plan, you can add an extra $6,500 a year. And those are important things to be able to max fund. You know, there's, there's no question in my mind when I've looked at all the math and run all the calculations, the single best way to accumulate wealth for financial independence is inside retirement accounts. And the reason for that is we have tax incentives to utilize those retirement accounts. And whether it is a deductible retirement account like a traditional IRA or a 401k or other company plan where you get a tax deduction now or it's a Roth option where you do not get a tax benefit now but then the money grows tax-free. Uh, either of those ways are far and away the best way to accumulate wealth. And, and one of the biggest reasons for that is that while the money is growing, you don't have what we call tax drag on your investments, meaning you don't get a 1099 from your 401k every year and have to pay taxes on capital gains or, or interest or dividends because anything that happens inside that 401k or IRA is sheltered from income tax. You only have to pay income tax when you pull it out. And that tax drag is a significant uh, impact has a significant impact on your wealth accumulation. And so in these retirement accounts, you don't have that. Now, then, in addition to that, you either get a tax benefit on the front end with a deduction on your income taxes with a traditional 401k or IRA, or you get a tax benefit on the back end with a Roth by, by getting tax-free withdrawals. So one way or the other, you're getting a tax benefit either up front or at the end. So the fact that at 50 that you can put more money into these retirement accounts, you absolutely should be taking advantage of that if you can, if you can afford to. Now, one thing I do want to mention that I often see is some people, you know, you put in a percentage of your salary and then there's a maximum that you can contribute for the year, depending on your age. Let's say it's a 401k or a 403b. And so what some people do is they put the maximum in and then Come June or July, they have already hit their maximum for the year, and then you're no longer funding your 401k. Uh, I don't recommend you do it that way. I recommend that you spread it evenly throughout the year. By doing that, you take advantage. Like, what if the markets are just continually up for the first half of the year, and then they dip the last half of the year? Well, when the markets dip, we want to be taking advantage of those lower prices by investing systematically. You know, let's say they're way down in September and October. Well, when you put in your monthly or, or bi-monthly or semi-weekly or whatever contribution into your 401k, you're investing into that market while it's down. So you're obtaining investments at cheaper prices. If you front load your funding through the first five or six months, and then the market dips in the fall, then you're not getting advantage of those market dips. That's one of the real benefits of systematically investing into these retirement accounts is you get to take advantage of the market volatility like I think we're going to have throughout this year. So if you're regularly investing, when the market does have a substantial dip or a sharp downturn, you're taking advantage of that by investing at lower prices.
Now, a few other tax breaks, tax breaks after age 50. Uh, starting at age 55, you can put an extra $1,000 a year into a health savings account. And health savings account, if you're eligible for that, uh, actually offer the absolute best in the tax world. They get the, the tax deductibility like you get in a traditional 401k, but then they're also tax-free like a Roth if they're used for medical expenses. And you can use those in retirement to pay things like Medicare premium. So HSAs are a great thing from a tax perspective. Um, you also, in 2021, you can deduct up to $300 per person, $600 for a married couple, of charitable contributions in addition to your standard deduction. Now that was for 2021, so be sure to tell your tax preparer, your CPA, your enrolled agent, uh, if you made any cash contributions, even if you're not itemizing, don't overlook that you can get a $600 deduction uh, as a married couple, $300 as a single. And then managing capital gains and capital losses is critically important um, as you get closer to retirement and you see fruit from your capital investment. What is a capital investment? Something you invest in to appreciate in value. Stocks, real estate, things like that. You know, I would not consider bonds or, or bank accounts capital investments. You don't invest in those capital growth, you invest in them for income. The prices of those investments is not expected to grow substantially. So you want to be sure that in your investment plan, you know, anything in your IRA or 401k, you don't get capital gains tax benefits. The capital gains tax benefit, the brackets for long-term gains is very, very good. Our Internal Revenue Code incentivizes investment. But if all your capital assets are invested inside your retirement account, you don't get the advantage of capital gains tax because anything coming out of a retirement account, for the most part, is considered ordinary income. Whereas things you invest in outside the retirement account, you can get capital gains exposure. You can also use capital losses to offset gains and be very, very smart. You can also plan your charitable contributions to be effective with your capital gains and losses. All of that is extremely, extremely important. So preparing for your taxes. You know, taxes are the most, they're the highest expense you and I will ever have in our lifetime, for most of you listening. I mean, if you're working a job and earning money in, throughout most of your life, income taxes more than likely are, are far and away your largest expense. And I'll be honest, I think not only this year is going to be choppy, I think we're in for a choppy decade. Meaning it's going to be up, it's going to be down, but over the 10 years, of the next 10 years, I don't think the market is going to be a robust return. I could be wrong, but I think it's not likely to be 8 9%, 10% per year. So if you can't earn as much, if you can save more in income taxes, that's going to put more money in your pocket. Now, in terms of myth-busting, when we come back, the 4% rule, is that a myth or is that reality? What does the 4% rule mean when it comes to retirement income and can you rely on it? So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. 
Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Hey, all this stuff I'm talking about, how to mitigate short ter- the, the risk of short-term volatility like we're dealing with right now when we have things like war in Europe, inflation, and then you know how to structure income in retirement. Can you take 4% out per year, which I'm about to get into the next segment, income taxes, medical costs, all of these things. I cover them at my classes. My next one's at Pellissippi State Community College. It's this Thursday. It is two two-hour sessions. So it's this Thursday, the 3rd, and then the 10th of March. Uh, it's at the Hardin Valley location. You can go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com for more information. You can download a syllabus. I cover seven key areas that need to be addressed in financial planning for retirement. Remember, it's not about the assets anymore. It's about the income and how you generate Stable income in the short term, growth of income in the long term, minimize taxes, fight inflation, all of those kinds of things. Medical costs. So again, for more information, go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. I've also got a a one-night tax planning class in April at Pellissippi State. Uh, And then I'll be back at the University of Tennessee the end of April. To find our full schedule, you can go to my website, BroganFinancial.com, and click on Classes. Now, we're going to dive into retirement myths, and one of those is, hey, the 4% rule will definitely work for me. Well, what is the 4% rule? The 4% rule says, hey, take the amount of investments that you have to live on in retirement. Multiply by 4%, and that's how much income you can draw in year one of retirement to supplement any other retirement income, like Social Security, most namely, or if you have a pension, or real estate income, but how much can you draw from your investments to, to support your income? And it, you'd start at 4%, and then you increase at a rate to meet the, the, the needs of retirement inflation. And the idea that, that if you do that, you'll and you live a long life, you won't run out of money, hopefully live a nice legacy for your family. Uh, that 4% rule if I think that the 4% rule is pretty approachable uh, if you take the right steps. Now, three and a half, three, three and a half is safer. But the 4% rule was developed, I think it was back in the 90s, the 1990s, mid to late 90s. And if you think about the context of that, we were in a 20-year market boom cycle. From 1982 to 2000, we had a huge boom in the stock market. And if we look at where we are now, you know, if you look at stock market prices, U.S. stocks, even with the downturn this year, they're still very expensive. I mean, P.E. ratios are still over 35 to 1. The only time they've been higher than that was at the end of 1999. And then on the other side, bond prices are also very high because interest rates are very low. And when interest rates, you know, interest rates and bond values move in an opposite direction. So when interest rates are low and they go up, bond values go down. And that's a real challenge because we're likely on the front edge of a bear market of bonds. So if stocks aren't going to deliver robust returns in the next 10 years, which I think if we look at current pricing, 
you know, when do you want to buy things? Do you want to buy them when they're cheap or when they're expensive? Well, as a rule, we want to buy them when they're cheap. Now, that's a little simplified because, you know, stocks are not cheap today compared to where they've been. We don't know how expensive they are today compared to where they'll be tomorrow. But if we look at our history, history being in the indicator, with stocks where they are now, we're not likely to, we're not going to have a booming decade. We, we never have historically. So in other words, there won't be robust returns more than likely in the stock market over the next 10 years. Likewise, there won't be robust returns in the bond market. To the contrary, I think over the next 10 years, traditional bond investment may be an even bigger risk to your money than stock investment. Not in the short term, but in the long term because interest rates are so low. And I think it'll be hard for you to beat inflation with traditional bond investing. So, you know, that traditional approach where you invest all of your money and if you have a million dollars, you can take $40,000 a year in, one, in year one and increase that and you just take income across all your investments. I don't think that's going to work especially with the traditional diversification people use of 60-40 or 70-30 stocks and bonds. Instead, I think you do need a more of a pooled or bucket approach where you, you know, interest rates are low. We don't want a lot of money tied up in things that are paying very, very low interest rates. So let's split those investments off and we're going to use that money for income in the first three or four years, five years of retirement. We're not dependent on the stock market in the short term. And we're not going to put much. We're not going to put much investment in those buckets because they're not making much. And we're going to get the rest of our money growing for the long term. That doesn't mean you have to take risk. There are safe alternatives where I think you can earn probably close to four percent per year. You know, nothing's guaranteed at that. But in today's world, but I think there are things that historically, you know, have done that. But but where your principal's protected. So. Uh, you know, separating your investments and having a bucket you can draw from in the short term for stability and then have investments for the long term that can grow to fight inflation. I think that that is going to be extremely important. The traditional diversification is not going to work. That's, that's another myth. 60-40, 70-30 split of stocks and bonds. I don't think it's going to work very well. You need a mechanism you need several things. You know, I mentioned earlier, diversification means you have a whole lot of stuff in your portfolio that if one thing zigs, another zags. So if one thing's way down like stocks, hopefully they're not all way down. You need to have more diversification, things like alternative things like non-traditional bonds that have variable interest rates. In other words, those rates go up when interest rates go up. You know, it's kind of like the difference in having an adjustable rate mortgage and a fixed rate mortgage. If I'm the bank, I'd rather loan money to you with an adjustable rate. So if rates go up, I, I, you know, the bank can make more money. Well, you can invest in those types of instruments where you get some of that stability of bonds, but you don't have that long-term stuck-in-the-mud feeling because interest rates are so low right now with traditional bonds. Then there's commodities, energy, natural resources, and then you probably need in your portfolio a specific lever that can that that when markets are sharply down, it helps insulate that downside so that you actually can make money in that type of an environment. And there are more and more financial instruments that can give you protection like that. They can either give you a hard floor, like I don't want to lose more than 15% or 10% or 20%, whatever it is. But then if you're going to do that, you're not going to have as much upside potential. 
in the booming market. Remember, there's always a trade-off between risk and reward. But I think the traditional diversification is just, I'm very confident that 60, 40, 70, 30 mix is just not going to work. It's not going to allow you to withdraw 4% per year off your investments. You need more diversification. You need a, dif di a different type of diversification plan. And you need a different approach to retirement income where you pull things and put things in different buckets. Now, when we come back, how expensive is healthcare likely to be in retirement? That's another myth. Because of Medicare, people think their healthcare costs are going to go down substantially. That may not be the case. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back on this Saturday to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, so if, you, uh, you know, if you've missed part of today's show, you can catch us again at 3 p.m. Also, if you've missed today's show or, or part of it, you can catch it online. We will have it up on our uh, podcast uh, on Tuesday by Tuesday afternoon. You can go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. You can also go to YouTube and find us there under More Living. Another myth, as we're talking about a few retirement myths here uh, in retirement, is that healthcare isn't as expensive in retirement because of all the subsidy with Medicare and things like that. So first off, let's talk about Medicare. Uh, part B, you know, Medicare, for the most part, is going to cover Part A. Part A is what covers your hospitalization. Part B is doctors, lab work, outpatient services. It's most everything else. Uh, except drugs, that would be Part D. D is in drugs. Part B, the premium this year had a significant increase. It went from $148.50 to $170.10. So it went up, you know, 12-13%. Pretty big increase. Also, uh, Medicare premium is means tested. So the more you make, the more you potentially have to pay in Medicare premium. So if you get up over $91,000 for a single filer or $182,000 for a joint filer, and that's modified adjusted gross income, they take your adjusted gross income, which is prior to your standard, to your deduction, and they add in tax-free income like municipal bonds. Uh, then you have to start paying a Medicare surtax. And Part B could go as high as $578 per month per person if you're married. You know, that's for people uh, filing that, that make over $500 and some thousand dollars. Uh, and granted, a lot of people in retirement don't make over that, but it is tiered. The more you make, the more Medicare premium you pay. Now, the if we look at the averages, according to a recent study, the average retiree will spend close to three, almost $300,000 on medical expenses in retirement. So that would be for Medicare Part B premium, Part D, which is the drug coverage, and for supplements or Medicare Advantage, and your out-of-pocket expense. When you add all that together, all in, premiums and expenses for medical, it's about 300000 in your lifetime. Now, you don't have to pay all that up front, of course. 
That is paid per year out of your income planning. So a good rule of thumb is if you're 65 years old, you go on Medicare, and let's say you're kind of healthy, you've maybe got a couple of things going on, maybe you're taking some high blood pressure medicine or cholesterol, but you don't have anything significant. But you're reasonably healthy, just got a couple things going on. You're probably going to spend five to $6,000 a year counting everything if you don't make more than $91,000 for a single filer or $182,000 for a joint filer. So if you're under those caps. Uh, when you get to in your early 80s, you're going to pay double that. You're going to probably be up around ten dollars to $12,000 a year in today's dollars. So, you know, that should be incorporated into your income plan. How are you going to generate the income that you need? Now then, we haven't even talk, talked about the cost of assisted living facilities or a nursing home, God forbid. The average cost of a nursing home in East Tennessee is now pushing $90,000 a year. And it's doubling about every 12 to 14 years. So if you're 70 years old and it's $90,000 now, you know, when you're... 82, 83, 84 years old, it's likely to be closer to 180,000 a year. And Medicare, at most, helps with the first 100 days. And then there's no coverage for long-term care. So having a way to plan for these costs in your medical, uh, the medical component of your financial plan is extremely important. So those are some myths. We've also discussed today, uh, we discussed in the first segment or so, the impact of, you, of what's going on with Ukraine. We certainly want to be keeping the Ukrainians in our prayers with a difficult situation there and our thoughts. But we've talked financially, how do you plan for those things? If you've missed part of today's show, again, check us out online. We'll have the podcast up on Tuesday afternoon. Now next week, next Saturday, we'll be talking with Tim Burchett. Uh, our U.S. congressman, uh, as you may be aware of, the State of the Union Address, President Biden's first State of the Union Address, is Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. We definitely want to be tuned into that. So next Saturday, I'll be talking to Tim uh, Burchett about the State of the Union Address, what's come out, and what about all these other challenges we have, inflation, taxes, war in Europe, potential impact of sanctions, how does that affect us economically, and all of those things. So please tune, with, tune, tune in next week. Uh, this week we've discussed your money because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Chris for engineering the board. Thank you to Jill for helping produce the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a very blessed weekend, and let's go Big Orange. Let's, uh, let's beat those Auburn Tigers today. Have a great week. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.